Hello, listeners at home. You're listening to episode six of Eight Minute Movies Alienated, a podcast talking about the 1979 movie Alien in eight minute chunks. Presented by me, Kieran, and him, Peter. How are you doing on this sunny afternoon, Peter? I, well, you know, uh, yeah, I think it was Oscar Wilde who said, fuck me, it's warm. Oh, you can't get more classic than that, can you? Um, yeah, so we should apologize up front if you can hear any sort of humming noises. Those are air conditioners, because if we turn them off, we immediately die, because we as a species have broken the biosphere of this planet. Um, yeah. I hope that one comes out okay in the end. Um, <laughs> Let's find out. We might know by the time this podcast goes out. So, <laughs> Oh, God, I hope not. Um <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, it's a, lo- a lovely sunny day, and we're choosing to spend it indoors, cloistered away with recording equipment. That's our dedication to you, listener. Yes, I can hear children laughing outside, and I have no desire to join them. So I was going to um, say, that's, that's the reason you're indoors, isn't it? <laughs> you can hear children laughing outside, and it's illegal to spray them with the hose. <laughs> and And I'm fine as well. Thanks. Thank you for asking. I mean, I'm, we're I'm both doing... hot. We're, 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 we're like that. We we live not many miles from each other. I'm like, I'm, oh, and how how's the temperature where you are, Kieran? Um, uh, probably the same as very where hot. You are. Yeah, yeah, okay, very good, hot. right. <laughs> That's how we are. We're both very hot. Anything? Uh, anything exciting happened to you recently? I I went on a trip. Ooh. it just unusually to get out of the house. Mm-hmm. Uh we went on a trip to to Brighton. Oh, it's nice there. It's uh it it was it was not the best weather for it, but we we saw the sea life center. We uh walked along the pier, a seagull attacked and stole a donut. <laughs> Did you go to the lanes? I like the lanes. Uh we did briefly go to the lanes. Um I looked in a music shop and mm. saw the various things that I would quite like to buy but didn't want to lug back with me to London and um we were just showered with with covid test kits as well <laughs> on the way uh, on the way in so um did one of those the other day uh, um, oh oh god they're good fun aren't they i uh oh. I've got to say, developing uh, tonsillitis in the year where there's a pandemic which has all the symptoms of tonsillitis has been a real thrill from the point of view of getting tested every three minutes. (laughs) Uh, So, yeah, it's been relatively action-packed. I picked up a board game while I was there. I went into an actual board game shop where they sell board games. Uh, Um, Is that the one one that's... Just down the road from the comic shop that I can't remember the name of. I don't uh, even know if it's still there. I think a, I think it probably is. Yeah. Yeah. There's a really good comic shop in the lanes. Um, mm. It's it's where where I first picked up the um, Scott Pilgrim books. Uh, hashtag I liked it before it was popular. Um. <laughs> <laughs> um, they there was one just down the the road mm. from from it. So I think it probably is the same one. And uh, yeah, I picked up a game called Mysterium Park. Oh um, yes, that I, I saw the box of that on your Twitter, but then I did I didn't say anything about it because I'm a bad friend. <laughs> <laughs> it's 
So, uh, what, what it is, uh, so if you don't know Mysterium, I know you know Mysterium, but I'm speaking here, you understand to the... Yeah, I, I, I understand, I'm the host, right. carry on, you, can, you, you may address the audience. If you don't know Mysterium, it's a game, uh, it's a bit like the premise of Cluedo, or Clue, if you're from not here, where you have, you have a murder and you have to guess who did it where it took place and what the weapon was, except that instead of going through and using logic by uh, eliminating all of the possibilities in the various rooms, uh, you are sent abstract dream images by a ghost. Abstract as fuck, yes. (laughs) Yeah, and you just sort of have to try and interpret them to get the right answer. And you're, and rather than being uh, uh, people playing against each other, you're all trying to kind of work together to get to the right answer, and it's it's a lot of fun. Uh, but um, one of the drawbacks, uh, you can you can buy this game by the way to play online, and it's quite good online um, uh, as long as you're talking to each other on on, on Discord and that sort of thing, because that seems to make it a bit more fun. Mm. Um, but one of the drawbacks about playing the game in real life as i did recently with my sister is that it takes about a billion years to set up because you have to go through a very um careful process of uh, selecting all of the clues and not revealing what those clues are to uh, the rest of the players if you're the the ghost player giving the visions to um uh, to the others um and so this game is a bit like Mysterium Light in a new kind of fairground setting. Uh, so they've moved it from guessing three things to guessing two things. So you're only guessing who and where in this version. But also, uh, among a few other tweaks that they've made to the, the the formula, they've massively simplified the setup so that it doesn't take nearly as long to get a game started i'm sure it can be done very quickly now that sounds ideal because um i I really enjoy playing mysterium in real life but the biggest downside is all of the millions of cards and um (laughs) and the, the special positions you have to put everything in it's it's like doing the setup from clue but five times over <laughs> yeah do you know how code names works which is a, it's in some ways a similar game where you, where you have a grid of words and one person is giving clues and the way that they know which clues that they're giving is that they have their own kind of secret grid card that shows them where on the grid the clues yeah are yeah giving it. Uh, they've moved to a model that is much more like that so you just oh. kind of lay out cards on a grid and then you have a uh a, your own secret card as the ghost which shows you which clues you're supposed to be giving uh, oh, that's which very interesting massively simplifies the whole setup of the game which basically is good for everyone involved because it, it did take too long to set up uh yeah I, i'm looking forward to being able to play that version in person with people at some point during my natural lifetime yeah, well, fingers crossed that that's a thing which is possible. Uh, it sounds fun, though. Uh, I'm I'm looking forward to playing Mysterium, but easier. Do you think the cards are switchable from pack to pack, or is it just are they repeats or are they new abstract cards? They uh, they are definitely new 
cards, and I don't know how well it will work or not. I think we tried it with Dixit once. If you ever played Dixit, it's got yeah. similar kinds of cards, but it didn't work very well. I was I was there for the Dixit experiment, uh, yeah. Um, and yeah, it, it wasn't that great, really. It, it looks like, in theory, they could be mi- mingled together, but I'm I'm not sure. Mm. It's actually interesting, really, because you've got a really got to hand it to the artists who worked on those cards for coming up with abstract cards with enough meaningful things on them that you can use them in this sort of situation i'm kind of curious as to the process with it uh, how much in how much guidance they're given mm. do they just get told just paint a billion things and we'll just, choose some just do a or, thing do a thing it's uh yeah, it's interesting. Uh, I kind of like a lot of the pictures. We we like this one, but could you make the night be made out of glass? <laughs> yes. Anyway, what about you? Have you been up to anything fascinating? Oh oh boy. Um, I don't know if we talked about this last season. Um, but I have a a pet tortoise. Ah, yeah. And last year, she she got all eggy for the first time she decided to try and lay an egg and um tortoises are fucking awful because they basically will wander around looking for a place to lay the egg and if they don't find exactly the right place to lay the egg they won't lay the egg and then the egg gets stuck inside them and you have to take them to a vet and have the egg drilled out um (laughs) yeah which isn't fun but this year, we were hoping that we'd got past this because it's July now and it's June last time and it's fine. Like maybe she, maybe she won't. And then she started doing all of the brooding behavior, walking around the garden, looking for everything, getting really angry. And I'm, oh no, here we go again. So I, um, I, I put her in the brood box I made for her last year, which is like a little, a box filled with dirt that she can dig down into. And, um, she stayed in that for like a, an hour or two and then she left like she rejected it because it wasn't deep enough that's the problem we've been having we can't make something in our garden that's deep enough for her to dig into right. so we tried making an emergency brood box by getting a big plastic box and sawing like a hole in it that so she could get in and out and mm-hmm. filling it with dirt and she went in it and like wandered around and then she settled down and started digging and i was like this is fantastic she's gonna lay her eggs there and uh, and everything will be fine so i I left her alone for an hour and I, I popped back out to look in the box and, um, and the box was empty and I was like, Oh, she must've, she must've wandered off. And I, I looked around in all of her usual hiding places and she wasn't there. And I was like, Oh, that that's weird. Then I looked mm. back in the box and all of the dirt moved at once, like just humped <laughs> up. And I was, it was literally like something from a horror film. I, <laughs> I saw it and I was like, what the fuck? And so I, I reached into the box and brushed some of the dirt away, and she'd completely buried herself. Okay. I can't explain how much... Okay, so she, she'd dug a hole, put her entire body in it, and then put two inches of dirt across the top of her as well, like covering everything, shell, head. And I was like, this doesn't seem right. I sort of panicked, and I dug a little hole for her to breathe. And she looked at me angrily and like reburied her head. And I'm like, oh, oh okay, okay. Um, and so she's fine like that. Yeah, this is fine. They can live for up to five months underground. Um, okay. <laughs> it's just we've had this tortoise for a long time, and she's never 
ever exhibited any diggy behavior at <laughs> any time. And she's now, yeah, she just completely buried herself. And I was like, okay, well, I guess I'll just leave her for the night and see what happens in the morning. In the morning, she got up, dug herself out of the box and went to eat some food. So I'm like, oh, okay, that's fine. Then I guess, um, so at the moment we're just periodically checking the dirt box to see if she's laid an egg in it. <laughs> so when you say a long time, um, how, how long have you had this tortoise? Uh, oh, well, okay. So she was originally bought by my grandmother um, for my brother as a present. Okay. Uh, so she's, she's actually outlived my grandmother. Um, okay. We don't know how old it was when, how, how old she was when we got her. Um, uh, it, and it's kind of difficult to tell. So the the low end figure is about forty something. Okay. Yeah. And just never been the slightest bit eggy until. No, uh, no. And yeah. I'll point out that we we only have the one tortoise, so um, it's an unfertilized egg. It's like a chicken egg. So uh, I could make an omelet out of it if I choose to, and there'd be nothing weird about that. Mm-hmm. No, nothing. Nothing at all. Nothing at all weird. Yeah. Uh, I, for one, am constantly chowing down on my pet's eggs. <laughs> but if you see, it's weird. But if you kept a chicken, you'd eat the eggs, wouldn't you? Okay, but <laughs> do chicken keepers think of the chickens as pets? Like. Some of them do, yeah. I mean, there are people who keep chickens as pets. They're, I'm not thinking about farmers here. Nobody here is farming tortoises for their eggs. <laughs> mm. I can't think of a less profitable job. <coughs> they might just not. <laughs> it's like once a year deal. It's very, very inefficient. I don't. I, uh, well, I, was, I was reading about a guy online who he has a a pet um, sea turtle thing in his house, like you know, like a yeah, like a turtle rather than a tortoise. And um, every year it moves into his kitchen and lays a big old clutch of like twenty eggs on the floor and leaves. And oh. he started eating them because he was like, "What am I supposed to do with twenty unfertilized sea turtle eggs?" <laughs> so he just makes an omelet every so often. Good throw them out. Um... <laughs> <laughs> it's just well, you know that's that's wasteful, isn't it? Is it? I mean... Are you saying if your cat laid eggs, you wouldn't eat cat eggs? Well, first of all, I don't have a cat. <laughs> <laughs> your hypothetical cat. Come on. All right. Um. So I've had a cat, mm. and I'm trying to think if if my cat laid eggs. No, I I would not eat cat eggs. <laughs> I have questions. Oh god. Um oh this has been an exciting 20 minute digression. Uh let, let's let's move on to to the podcast that we are doing here. Mm. Oh, my notes say introduce the concept and I've forgotten how to do that. I I think it's my turn, so oh, don't, don't we don't we fight? Yeah, it's you. It's you. You do it. Um all right, so I'll I'll do it. Um <laughs> so this podcast format we pick a film in this case Alien. We did the thing before. Um, and we break it up into eight-minute chunks. We watch each eight-minute chunk, and then we have a chat about an unrelated series of topics for about half an hour, and then we finally get around to talking about the eight-minute chunk of film that we just watched. Um, 
alongside that, we also have a segment uh, where Kieran will uh, talk to us about a topic tangentially related mm-hmm. to the film. Yeah. Uh, and just for context, uh, Kieran is really the expert here. He's someone who knows this film very well, likes it very well. Uh, I am someone who I, I'm not against the film or I, I'm not a complete novice to the film or anything like that. Uh, I've seen it a few times here and there, uh, but I am it's it's not really my genre. It's not my area of expertise, and I, I know it a bit less well. Yeah, that was quite good. Well done. Would you like me to talk about something that's not to do with Alien, except only slightly slightly to do with Alien? We really need to find a proper name for this segment, don't we? Well, it's it's called Let's Not Talk About the Thing, uh, which yeah. worked great when we were talking about the thing and the thing, now yeah. less so mm. well oh. <laughs> what what do you have for me this week i'm going to talk about sir ian holm tell me karen about this person the ian holm cuthbert known professionally as sir ian holm uh, was an English actor famous for his prolific screen career, portraying a variety of both supporting and leading characters, earning critical acclaim and many accolades in the process. He was nominated for seven BAFTA awards, winning Best Actor in a Supporting Role twice for The Beaufort's Gun and Chariots of Fire. His latter performance as athletics trainer Sam Musabini was also nominated for an Academy Award. His other well-known film roles include Ash in Alien, which is why we're talking about him, of course, Mr. Kurtzman in Brazil, Francis Willis in The Madness of King George, Father Vito Cornelius in The Fifth Element, the voice of Chef Skinner in Ratatouille. I didn't know that one, actually, but like when you think about it, yeah, yeah, it is him. And elderly Bilbo Baggins in The Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit film series. Ah, yes, I remember that one. Uh, he's, he's quite good in um, The Fifth Element as well. I, I, I like him in that. Yeah, The Fifth Element is a film that I feel like I should like, but whenever I sit down to watch it, I end up not finishing watching it. Gasp, do you mean we're doing that for season three? Um, maybe we could. Maybe <laughs> we could. Oh, it does fit the pattern, is it? doesn't it? A, a film that I like and you've barely seen. <laughs> uh, about his casting in Alien, he said, It was difficult to tell from the script what kind of film it would be or rather, what kind of film it would become. Scott told me that it had been through several rewrites, though there's nothing new in that, but he was now happy with it. He was young and wore a beard, which I didn't think particularly suited him. His clothes, the way he presented himself, all these seemed somehow secondary, artificially bolted on, and irrelevant to his curiously internal restlessness and energy. Um, It was as if he was burning up with ideas, and the kind of private imagery which he wanted, he needed somehow to explain to you. The script seemed very high concept, though good in that way. Still hardly Chekhov or Shakespeare, but I didn't mind that anyway. I'd done my share of flimsy, meaningless films. I was intrigued. Unusually in projects like this, if a star was not going to be used to act as a focal point of the financing, normally if there was no name attached, then a project like Alien was people with recognisable B-list actors, the kind of actors who would do a competent job and whose presence would signal what kind of film it was, e.g. shock horror. Uh, This was not the case, either. Here the cast seemed to be made up of evocative American character actors and a couple of respected British names. Unfortunately, Ian Holm passed away in London on the 19th of June 2020 at the age of 88. So I um, 
I, I've seen Ian Holm in a, in a couple of things, but not mm. not many things. I haven't uh, seen many of those those films on that list. Even yeah. uh, even Ratatouille, I feel like I've only seen that film once, and I don't remember it that well. Um, it's about a rat that can cook by piloting a human like a a mech. Yeah, terrifying. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> Before we move into the meat of the podcast, oh, back to podcast meat once again, um, we must introduce a little side game we have. So we've got these bells. I'm going to ding the bell now. Ding. And um, if either of us says the word thing, um, and we're not talking about the thing, um, the movie or this game itself then we have scored a point on the other person the points are meaningless um and uncounted and meaningless and uncounted and uh, that game is sort of a holdover from the first season but i bought these bells and damn it i'm getting as much use out of them as possible they were four pounds 88 each that's a lot of money discord has given up on the bells but we haven't yeah Um, yeah you notice i said ding there it's because discord updated uh how they work a while ago and now it filters out dinging noises which is uh something of a challenge for recording this podcast so yeah now we have to say ding whenever we ding uh, additionally, if we say Geiger instead of Giga, we can also ding. Ah, uh, yes, that's true. We, <laughs> we came up with that one before. Uh, with all that torturous stuff out of the way, uh, now it's time to start watching the movie, to make a podcast about the movie. That's what we're doing. So, Peter, last time I asked you who's infected, and you said Kane in capital letters. Mm. You didn't say the capital letters, but I put them in capital letters. Um, and I think I think I agree with you there. I think Kane is infected mm-hmm. um, from having that big face hugger right on his face. Yeah. Uh, and I so we asked you what happens next, and you said they deal with the acid without incident. They track it down to where it stops. They finish the process of removing the face hugger with more care. Shortly yeah. after. Kane is going to make a recovery. How do you how do you feel about those uh, those points now? I feel all right about them. There's a few details that I missed here that I forgot happened here. Mm. Uh, so yeah, I'm not not 100, percent but mm. I but not embarrassing either. <laughs> and you said who dies next? Kane in the next episode. Oh, so um. Yeah, I did predict that was going to happen sooner. And, the, you know, the main reason that I predicted that that was going to happen sooner is that I'm looking at the clock on this <laughs> film and seeing that, I mean, before we're, we're now getting towards 48 now. That's where we're mm. headed, isn't it? Yeah. And I just couldn't imagine that we were 48 minutes into the film and that still hadn't happened. That seems... That seems so weird to me, um, but uh, as we'll find out, it, I was a little early on that. No alien yet. Well, sort the fate. I guess the face hugger is part of it, but not the actual iconic alien has not appeared in any shape or form yet. Which I, if you'd have asked me before I started watching this film when that happens, I would have said probably about half an hour, probably. Hmm. But 
no, it it really. I mean, and we've talked about this before, but it really takes it its time in a way that is, you, you, I don't think you'd get if it was made today. No, and they um they did have to fight for that pretty much the whole the, the whole way. Like um um, you did mention you know there's no sign of the alien, and I I kind of forgot to mention at the time, but the the aliens were referred to um at least in Giga's works as um the face tugger was Alien One. Right. Uh, the chest burster, spoilers, uh, is uh, Alien 2. And of course, the big boy is called Alien 3. Um, <laughs> yes. And these names are <laughs> a little um, funny now in the future where there are films called that. Um, yeah. Although Alien 2 is, of course, not an official sequel. Oh, God. Uh, oh, do we have to talk about <laughs> Alien 2 on Earth at some point? <laughs> I only know about this because I've seen it in your film collection. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's an Italian knockoff. Uh, back back when um, they didn't really care about copyright and they just try and make a film out of everything. They yeah, they called it Alien Two, so people would think it was the sequel. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> very bold. I I think they got a bit sued. <laughs> yeah, I'll have to look this up so we can talk about it more in detail. Anyway, sh- shall should we get into it? I think we should. Yeah, no time like the present. Uh, so, as always, we're going to be watching minutes forty to forty-eight of Alien. Uh, this isn't a watch-along podcast. Don't don't do that. I know. I know. I'm talking to you in the future, and you're doing it. Stop it. Be very disappointed in you. Um, just go watch the film, and then maybe, maybe watch eight minutes along with. Is that weird? I don't know. Let's move on. Yeah. And, and 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 listen. If you were listening to our description earlier of the concept of the podcast, and you thought, "Oh, that sounds quite good," that means that you haven't listened to the episodes before this. Um, yeah, I mean, which, uh, why are you why are you starting here? Go back to episode one, listen from there, and then you can just be bored every time that we reintroduce the premise every week. Yeah, now that I think about it, why do we reintroduce the premise in detail every episode when this isn't the sort of podcast you can dip into? Uh, no, it's not. It's not. It makes no sense to join us at this point. Stop it. You're welcome. You're you are if you're if you're joining us now, we are slightly over a third of the way through yeah. the film. <laughs> yeah, and you're, you've just arrived just in time for the juicy stuff. Mm. Uh, how this works uh, again? Do I need to explain this? This is this is how it happens every time. It's a short explanation. Um, I've got a set of bulleted notes about action points, something that summarizes like 20 to 30 seconds of action on the screen. I will read them out loud and if me or Peter want to talk about them, we'll talk about them. That's how the podcast works. Fuck you. (laughs) (laughs) The crew look for the acid, which is now burning through the ceiling. So uh, the smoke here is from a mixture of titanium tetrachloride, cyclohexamine, and uh, acetic acid. Uh, on mixture with humid air, it forms opaque clouds of titanium dioxide and hydrogen chlorides, both of which are extremely toxic. <laughs> yeah. Um, movie making was a different thing back in the day. Don't you, don't you agree? It seems that every film we've done so far, there's a bit where they're like, let's make some smoke. Is this smoke going to kill the actors? Only if they breathe it. <laughs> well, it's true, because I, uh, I was thinking, like, you know, if I was the crew of this ship, I would not want to just be huffing this stuff uh, <laughs> without really knowing what it was. Mm. Uh, but 
also the actors. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the difference there is that the actors do know what it is. It's just that they have no choice. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, they uh, they do have an idea of what it is. That's but but probably still shouldn't be breathing it. Dallas prods a burning hole in the ceiling with a pencil, but the acid has stopped burning. Uh, so um, I was thinking, like, no wonder I didn't remember how this situation uh, resolves itself because it just kind of just runs out of steam, really, doesn't it? It that doesn't. Uh, it just stops. It can only burn so far. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, does does he call it molecular acid here? <laughs> uh, yeah, um, you you have, you have hit the nail on the head. Dallas says, "I've seen nothing like this except molecular acid." I'm sorry. You're just trying to sound smart there, Captain Dallas. All, all acids are molecular. Um, <laughs> that's ev- everything is really when you think about it. I mean, I did think so, but also I thought oh, maybe, maybe molecular acid is a thing. Maybe molecular acid is a special sort of acid <laughs> that does something to the bonds of molecules in a way that regular acids don't. I don't I, know. I mean, it, sound, it sounds it, it sounds plausible enough, and I guess it fooled audiences, so, you know, they, yeah. it, it did its job. Uh, in researching this, I found out that there are things called super acids, and I, I do not want to get anywhere near those <laughs> under any circumstances. Thank you very much. Mm. Let's uh, make regular acids seem very mild in comparison. Um, I do like that uh, Brett really doesn't want his pencil back. Um, (laughs) Would you be surprised if I know what pencil he has? Uh, I I wouldn't be surprised, no, I I suppose, but go on. Uh, Brett's pencil is a paraphernalia linear mechanical pencil designed by Sergio Carpani. Um, (laughs) Okay. It's still available today. Do you know how much one of them costs? How much? 42 euros. That's a lot. For a pencil, wow. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't spend that on a pencil. Uh, I, went to, uh, I, I went to mini golf in Brighton and stole a pencil for free. <laughs> <laughs> you, you can't say that. That's a crime. You can't, you can't... I don't think you're supposed to give the pencils back. I don't know how it works. but <laughs> They say the creature must be using acid for blood. An excellent defense system. You don't dare kill it. Mm. Um, I guess I guess that's true. Although you have to know that in advance. Well, I'm, I mean, after you've killed one, you are right. <laughs> certainly not going to try it again. We cut to the engineers trying repairs on the ship. They want to go home. So, um, this scene is fine, but it, it has the most stilted writing of of any of. Alien so far, where the the scene has basically three dialogue lines. Parker says, "We shouldn't have landed here." To Brett, mm-hmm. Brett says, "We shouldn't have landed here." To Parker, mm-hmm. and then Parker says, "We shouldn't have landed here." To Brett, I mean, it's basically the same line, slightly changed three <laughs> times. Yes, um, uh, it, it maybe that scene could have used an edit in hindsight. <laughs> I mean, I uh, you, you can boil it down to general grumbling about the situation but it, it just yeah. seems it's always seems strange to me that it is basically the same line being passed back and forth i don't know it's true i, I didn't really think about it while i was watching it but, you, but you're right did you notice the can of beer on the table 
Um, I actually did notice that there was something on the table. I didn't. It didn't really register properly, though. With as with the uh, the cigarettes and everything on the ship, uh, they actually have the Weyland Yutani logo on them. Mm. Um, this is Weyland Yutani Fine Original Aspen Beer, um, mm. which uh, fans occasionally manufacture uh, prop containers for. But has it's not a real beer. It's a it's a, a fictional thing from a film. Yeah. Mm. You might be able to get it in... Uh, I don't know, you don't really get Alien very often in theme parks. Um, but it, it, if you did, it would be like the uh, like the Simpsons areas where you can get the Duff beer. You could probably oh. get that beer. Do we, do we have to talk about Alien War? Uh, I don't know, because I don't really know anything about it. I know what you're talking about. But oh, I, really I, I, about I think it. we have to talk about Alien War. I've made, a no- I've made a note, we'll talk about that next time. Okay. <laughs> Oh boy, did I ever enjoy Alien War. Um, <laughs> we then cut to the medical lab. Kane is lying alone on a gurney. So uh, I, I guess I can talk about the soundtrack here and, and what it's doing a bit. Because mm. again, getting into this dark, almost abandoned area it seems that way. And you're bringing back these kind of echoing motifs. Although it's not so much with the flute now they're they're using different instruments and uh um and i can't tell exactly what the instruments are that they're using Mm. but it sounds a bit like they might be using some very high pitched winds uh but maybe also some some strings some violins that are using some extended uh techniques so extended techniques are where um an instrument is playing something that it's maybe not ostensibly designed to do. It's, it's doing something kind of a bit more, uh, a bit more specialist. Uh, they, they tend extended techniques tend to be used more frequently in more kind of modern compositions and things like that. And it's stuff like uh, on a guitar. It's stuff like harmonics, and uh. Uh, uh, you can do all kinds of extended. Uh, uh, techniques that make all kinds of weird sounds on a violin. That's very interesting. I didn't know that. Mm. So one of the things uh, that is very well known is um, uh, like an example of an extended technique on the violin might be something like col. I think it's pronounced colenio, something like that, which means uh, with. With the wood, so you're you're striking the strings with the wood of the bow rather than the hair bit of the bow. Oh yeah, uh, I think I think you've speak you've spoken to me about this before. Possibly, uh, you hear it at the beginning of Mars, the bringer of war. Ah, um, uh, that's probably what it is. Has that kind of uh, percussive sound uh, that makes it sound a little bit like drumming as well as bowing strings, um, and. You hear that kind of thing quite commonly being in, employed in, in in modern scores and that that sort of thing as well. Uh, so uh, you kind of in this part, you, there's definitely um, a delay effect being applied on the orchestra. So there's it's not just pure orchestral recording. There is an effect mm. being applied on it for the echo, but also it sounds like either they're doing something in percussion where they're striking something that is making those weird sounds or they're doing something similar with the violins and they're uh, maybe 
playing the notes in some kind of extended technique way to produce those uh, kind of weird screeches that you hear. Yeah, I, I, it's it's a very unique bit of the soundtrack. Um, and I say, well, well, the next point here is um, the camera pans slowly around the room to Ash at work on a console. And this soundtrack is underpins this whole... It's a really creepy tracking shot. It's almost like he's being stalked by something. It was like he's sitting with his back to the room and the camera is slowly moving around to follow, like, you know, to sort of home in on him. Yeah. I, I've got a note here saying he's sitting with his back to the alien, which I super duper wouldn't do. Um <laughs> <laughs> You'll be looking at that thing at all times. Um, am I am I genre aware? I don't <laughs> I don't know. Because it's just on the table. I mean they they have assumed this thing is passive now. Um right. Uh, in a way that I don't think I would have. Yeah, fair, fair enough. Yeah, you'd want to at least have a camera on that, and mm. so you could look at it, right? Yeah, I mean, uh, what I would have done is uh, leave Kane in the medical scanner, which we've seen closes up on one side. So, <laughs> yeah, I don't. Know. Am I a coward or am I genre aware? Who knows? <laughs> a little bit of both. <laughs> Ripley arrives, startling him. They discuss the alien and quarantine procedure. Yeah, so I'm glad that they have this conversation, because we, we talked about it actually at some length last time, I think, about uh, uh, who was in charge, and this little scene does make that much clearer. When Dallas and, and Kane are off the ship, Ripley is in command. Yep, that's and that's what we thought, so mm. that, that tracks. Um, and the other thing I, I thought about this part is that... Um, yeah, you get a kind of um, weirdly elusive Ash during this. Uh, yeah, thing. yeah. Uh, what? what do, do I mean elusive? I think I mean evasive. Mm. Mm. Um, yeah. So, so in my notes here. I've got um, Ash turns off the monitor when Ripley arrives, so she can't see what he's looking at. Um, yeah. And to me, at this point, you can either read this as one of two ways um either it's just sort of a dickish you know this is my area of expertise not yours uh, mm. or he's actively hiding something yeah and just the way that he uh, talks the way that he just kind of says oh uh, still collating still actually. collating we don't know that much yeah. um, um it it feels like he understands more than he's willing to let on at this point yeah uh, he mentions that it keeps replacing its uh, cells with polarized silicon, which may here be uh, meaning organosilicon compounds like silicon carbide, which is a semiconductor used in the manufacture of LEDs. Uh, <laughs> if only we could harvest those facehuggers, boys. We've got a, a new way of making cheap LEDs. Maybe they uh, can put on a light show. Maybe that's yeah. the that they have. Well, we know it lights up, don't we, from the, <laughs> from the previous eight minutes. <laughs> Uh, you think it's oh god now I'm imagining it like one of those awful gamer keyboards you know with the RGBs um, yeah. <laughs> the cheap flickery RGBs um, but yeah the discussion about quarantine is very interesting as well um, uh, I'm not going to go into it in that much detail but the, but the line that's jumped out of me is um, maybe I have jeopardized everyone but it's a risk I was willing to take hmm and that that's a great line because 
we transparently have the two motives there. You know, um, it's a risk. Right. I, uh, I, I may have jeopardized everyone. It's a risk I was willing to take. Why? Why? What? What are you gaining for taking that risk? Uh, he's also, we, he's we, supposed we... to be. He's supposed to be coming across as um, I'm taking this risk to save Kane's life. Right. But it's actually to get my hands on the alien. Right. Yeah. It's it's interesting and. Uh... And a, a really bad point to be making in this situation as well, because it's just transparently not his risk to take. Like it's, yeah. it's something that uh, has been made very clear that is not. It's not his call. It's not, this what this wasn't my call, but I made it anyway. There's a lot of um, uh, <laughs> there's a lot of arrogance to the to mm. to, to saying that. It's yeah. like that. It's the uh, the thing from Shrek, right? <laughs> so many of you will die. die. <laughs> many of you will die. But that is a risk <laughs> I am willing to take. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's basically the same line, but I didn't notice yeah. that. Oh my god, did they reuse it in Shrek? <laughs> yeah. Ripley leaves. Ash drinks a glass of milk, then leaves himself. Oh, that's gonna repeat on him later. That <laughs> Yeah, so we've got the milk here setting up, uh, well, his, his milky innards that we'll get to later. <laughs> uh, do you want to know a um, a fun thing? Uh, Ian Holm hates milk. <laughs> oh, <really? laughs> yeah. <laughs> Doesn't like it at all. Um, <laughs> not going to be a big fan of a scene later on. Uh, <laughs> we cut to the exterior of the underside of the Nostromo. There's a shuttle here and music playing. It's the uh, second m- movement of uh, Eine Kleine Nacht music by uh, Mozart. My first note here is uh, Peter will say what the music is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I did. It's a piece for string quartet, uh, which means two <laughs> violins, uh, viola and cello, but it's often performed by a string orchestra, which is basically lots of violins and violas and cellos. Uh, and I think what we have here is a version that's being performed by a string orchestra. You can actually hear this uh, piece start playing very faintly in that previous scene we were talking mm. about as uh, uh, as Ash is leaving. Yeah, it's a, it's a, a crossfade. Mm. I'm not sure that's the right term, but I'm sticking with it. Uh, <laughs> someone, someone will correct me if I'm wrong. <clears throat> Yeah, you, you, well, well, right. I, I mean, all I had down was Eine Kleine Nacht music by um, Mozart. Mm-hmm. The shuttle he's in is called the Narcissus, um, and it's a Lockmart Star Cub light shuttle. All right. Um, so, is that a company that we uh, have heard of elsewhere in the film? Or, um, n- no, uh, but it's. Um... It'll, it's the name comes from the Ron Cobb technical drawings, and it's supposed to have you know sympathetic vibrations going back to Lockheed Martin, uh, oh, okay. like the company's names would have evolved over time uh, to something newer. I see. Uh, and also, conveniently, then you don't have to pay them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the model of the Narcissus was made by Martin Bauer and Phil Ray from a small steel frame covered in parts from thirty-seven different model kits. There are actually two different models, um, a small 30-inch one um, in the 40-foot underside of the Nostromo. So the, the whole thing here is 40 feet long. 
and a larger one, including two TV monitors built into it, so you can see the crew moving inside. Mm. It's not. It's not done with composition. It's just. Uh, it's just a little tiny screen. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. The Narcissus and the Stromo are both named after Joseph Conrad books, whose work Ridley Scott enjoyed. So you notice all the like various little antennae and pipes and things stuck on the on the Nostromo and all around the Narcissus. Yeah, it's like very heavily detailed. Um, this process is referred to as widgeting or greebling, um, <laughs> and basically involves getting all cutting off tiny little bits from other model kits and just gluing them on to give the exterior like detail. Yeah, just putting on little greeblies. Mm, greeblies. It's mm. the... Greeblies and widgeting, that's, those are the accepted terms. <laughs> the model of the Narcissus was actually destroyed after filming to prevent it from being reused. And because it reoccurs at the start of Aliens, they had to painstakingly recreate it from production photographs and stills from Alien. Hmm. Now, why, would you, why do you think they would destroy it after filming to prevent it from being reused? Um... Oh, probably some wanky reason. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Probably something like they wanted to preserve the uniqueness of it, or something like that. Uh, Yeah, I mean, you're not wrong. Uh, Basically, uh, a problem with film props at the time is big, you know, they're expensive to manufacture. So if it exists, someone will rifle through your library of props and take it and use it. And Ridley Scott didn't want to, like, all the props for Alien were unique, and he didn't want to devalue any of them by having them repeatedly appear in other science fiction films, right. where people would be going, oh, that's a Narcissus from Alien. <laughs> yeah, it was just like how the models for Battlestar Galactica got reused in the footage. Like, there's there's an, a whole film which just steals effect shots from Battlestar Galactica. And... Uh... I mean, I, I suppose they have a point, but on the other hand, people love noticing that shit. <laughs> uh, I guess it was a different time. Yeah. On the inside of the shuttle, Dallas is relaxing. The crew radio for him. Something interesting has happened to Kane. So this, I guess this is sort of setting up the shuttle as like his his private retreat, his little getaway space. Right. I mean, he's just he's just sort of coming here, sat at the controls, and is just listening to music. He can listen to Eine Kleiner Nacht music without any of the engineering crew making fun of him. Yeah. <laughs> Back at the infirmary, we start with a close-up on Kane's face. The alien is gone. Gone, Peter. Oh, yeah, I did completely forget that the alien just buggers off, basically. Um <laughs> Just leaves of its own accord, like my tortoise from the earth. Mm. <laughs> if you somehow missed the conversation earlier, that's going to be a very confusing <laughs> sentence. Darmok and Jalad at Tanagra. And again, we've already told you off for joining the podcast uh, midway through the, the run don't start listening to the podcast halfway through the podcast. That's even no, worse. No one does that. No, no one is going to start listening to a uh, an hour and twenty minute podcast, an hour and six minutes through the podcast. That's, I don't that... know because uh, uh, some people listening to this going, "Oh, I don't care about Mysterium Park or whatever." 
just uh, skip to the good stuff. Look, I I, th- I think both of our listeners are, are prepared to listen to the whole thing <laughs> through some sort of sense of misguided loyalty. Uh, we we appreciate you, listeners. Thank you yes. for for indulging this weird fucking thing we're doing. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, the the alien has just gone away, leaving the uh, uh, leaving Kane apparently unharmed. He, he just seems to be asleep. Um, just seems to be sleeping. So, I don't want to say I told you so, but if he'd left him in the medical scanner, it wouldn't have gotten out, would it? It'd just be in there with him. Yeah, but would it have just sliced him up real good as well, in panic? I don't know. Oh, well. <laughs> well, they... I mean, we know it probably wouldn't, but they do not know that. Mm. Oh, also, um... It might be able to punch through that. It could punch through a space helmet. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I I withdraw my I told you so. I suppose it it might have been even more scary if they had left him in there, uh, mm. and there was just a big hole in that. <laughs> now, the crew creep back inside the room, looking for the alien with long lit up probes. Why don't they turn the lights on? Because <laughs> um, it's because cre- it's creepier, obviously. Yeah, they they understand the atmospheric needs of this um, cinematic moment. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's uh, it's almost silent this bit as well. Like, uh, no music. Even the cast seems to be holding their breaths. Oh, I was going to mention this because um, uh, I was looking away from the screen for a second at the time. And the reason I was looking away from the screen is because I was um, googling Eine Kleine Nacht music um, uh, on the slide because I was like 99% sure that's what the music was, but I didn't want to say that's what it was and then sound really stupid when it wasn't that. Um, so I wanted to, I was doing a quick slide double check that I was right about Eine Kleine Nacht music. And, uh, and, and while that happened, the recording came to an end <laughs> and, and I didn't even <laughs> notice because the, uh, uh, the scene was so quiet. <laughs> um, Going back a step, how yeah. did you Google the music? What did you, like... How, how do you search for music? Okay, well, okay, to answer your question, first of all, I didn't search for, like... I didn't, like, go do-do-do-do-do into Google. Yeah, that's... <laughs> <laughs> no. I I knew it was called Ina Kleiner Nux Music, and I searched for that to verify that I had got it right. Um, right. I, I, I looked for the second... Uh, movement and I had a look at the picture of the sheet music and I was like, oh okay, right. yes, that is the same. Okay, sheet. okay, yeah. that that makes a lot more sense than than how I imagined that going. But there are services where you can search for what a tune is based on placing some notes or yeah. even like humming into something and it uses uh, I don't know but it, it uses techniques to try and uh, match it to existing music uh, in its library. I've tried this a couple of times with very, very mixed results. <laughs> oh, go on, go on, hum, uh, hum, I'm kind of knack music into Soundhound now. Let's see what it comes <laughs> up. <laughs> Dallas checks Kane's pulse. He's still alive. So, um, 
all the close-ups in this are shot very low with a sort of wobbly handheld camera like they're being watched by something mm. like the alien is watching them which is very effective um psychologically this whole scene is very creepy it is Dallas knocks over a tray scaring Ripley jump scare <laughs> yeah good uh, good little fake out here uh it's the the bit in the cinema where your bum titans uh yeah <laughs> Ripley peers up into the overhead while Dallas checks the corner of the room. And yeah, that's where we leave this uh, now that they're they're back to silence uh, and this, these eight minutes have come to an end. Mm. Um, yes, it's definitely uh, definitely a tense moment. And as I say, very quiet. So much so that I didn't notice for several, several <laughs> seconds that the uh, video had actually ended so all that remains to us then is uh to ask those usual questions uh who's infected peter you uh i'm gonna go out on a limb and say you still think kane is even though it's not on him anymore it's gone he's uh yeah i'm gonna well i'm gonna upgrade uh, because last time uh i said well he was at least on his on his way to becoming infected. We don't really understand exactly how infected he is at that stage. Yeah. Now, now it's clear that the process has completed. And so he is definitely infected now. All right. Um, anybody else? Uh, you, uh... Uh, I don't think anyone else is infected. No, no. I don't think we're going to make much progress with this line of questioning in this film. <laughs> yeah, it's not it, it's not a it's not a great question, um uh, but it's unfortunately it's got the weight of precedent behind it. Yeah. Um what happens next? Well, I don't remember exactly what happens immediately next, but also it's similar to that point in uh in the thing in fact, uh, where they had, uh, we had one of these where the uh, the thing seems to scuttle into the ceiling. Mm. It seems to scuttle away into the ceiling, and um, and I couldn't remember exactly what happened next, but I had to imagine that that situation would resolve because I can't imagine them just going, oh, well, guess it's gone, and shrugging <laughs> and getting on with their business. Um, so, similar to that situation, um, I think that in the next few seconds, the uh, the face hugger is going to reveal itself, uh, and they are going to uh, deal with it in some way. Uh, I don't know exactly how, because of the whole acid blood problem. <laughs> uh, but they are going to somehow kill it, I think. Right. Um, and uh, then I, th I think shortly after that moment, Kane, it, it, it's, going to, it's going to start appearing to get back to normal. So they've dealt with the threat. Kane makes a recovery. They all go to enjoy a lovely meal together <laughs> um, because the whole problem has been solved. Isn't it wonderful? Um, and that's uh, that's when I think we might get the uh, the death. Yeah, yeah. So so 
Yeah, you've answered uh, who dies next there as well. Uh, you, you're sticking with Kane. Um, yes, I I do not remember anyone dying before Kane in this film, and so I think whatever the resolution of this uh, tense face hugger moment is going to be, it's not going to result in someone getting di- uh, getting deaded. Uh, but um, do you think Kane is going to die in the next eight minutes? I. Thinks I, I think he's got to because yeah. at this point would be what fifty six minutes into the film, <laughs> yeah, yeah, Ver- uh, verging on an hour through a uh, through a ninety minute film. There's only so much film left, uh, <laughs> they, and they've got to pack in a lot of being scared by the actual alien into that. <laughs> and I know that alien doesn't start out full size as well, so um, uh, <laughs> so. They've got to get places with this story before it comes uh, before it comes to an end. So uh, I think, yeah, you you think they've got they've got to bite the bullet. Yeah. Something something creepy has to happen now. I think the next section of the film is going to be the last moment of relative calm mm. uh, before everything just starts kicking off and everything is bad all of the time. <laughs> okay, that. That makes sense to me. Um, what are you thinking of the film so far, Pete? Uh, I mean, yes, I I'm always pleased when uh, something that we have been focusing on in a previous section uh, becomes resolved later yeah. on. So I was I was really um, happy that that whole question of who was in command is kind of fully addressed by this segment. Again, I've talked about it many times now, but I I continue to be impressed by uh, the way that this film paces itself and the time Mm. that it takes over things. Um, It is not something that I really recognised fully about the film until uh, I sat down to watch it in this way, is just how, how long it takes over this what I would still, I mean, I would still call this the film's opening. Yeah, yeah, but like, it, it 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 never seems to drag, though. I mean, yeah. uh, but it but it is a very long, very slow uh, opening. I was going to say the only person who'd sort of do that with a modern film would probably be Ridley Scott. Uh, right. <laughs> yeah, I don't. Yeah, because I don't know how to de- de- describe this apart from it being an opening because it, mm-hmm. the the threat has not really established itself yet um it's yeah, yeah there were a couple of scary moments but it's not doing anything is it like we say it yeah. se- it seems to have fallen to passivity yeah and it's uh so we we're more than halfway through now i take it uh through the film no no we're about a third of the way through oh are we all right yeah. it's um, it's uh Longer than I thought, but yeah, f- um, 50, fifteen episodes, uh, right. listeners. <laughs> okay, all right, but still, it, we're a substantial uh, amount mm. of the way through the film, uh, mm. and uh, uh, yeah, it's it's still on in the kind of ramping up uh, phase of it. Uh, I don't know how many different ways to say that I I really enjoy this film's uh, uh, pacing, but I it has really come to light with the watching it through in this way well hopefully um you'll have some more specific things to talk about next time um right i'll try (laughs) 
Oh no, I'm uh, I'm just trying. I'm, I'm 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 pleased to listen to you talk. I just don't want you to feel like we have to repeat the same thing every time. Oh no, don't don't upset the guest. Are you guest <laughs> co-host? Don't upset the co-host. But now you're calling me a guest. <laughs> I mean, every episode, Kieran. <laughs> I just think of you as a guest. That's the problem. <laughs> Well, so it just leaves us to say, you at home, if you have any questions or comments or you know anything about tortoise breeding or um, you've ever been to Brighton, why not send us an email to our email address, which is definitely podcast at 8minutemovies.co.uk. Um, yes, that's correct. Sorry, I was distracted because a bee flew past me. <laughs> um but it's left now. Okay, that's good. Um, yep, podcast at 8minutemovies.co.uk. That's where you will email us, and we will look at those emails with our eyes. Apart from that, if you would like to speak to me personally, you can reach me on it's Kestrel Pie on Twitter and other similar sorts of things. That's Kestrel like the bird, and Pie like the irrational number. I think he's also. Uh, he, I think he can also be reached um, uh, at uh, podcast guest uh, uh, on on Twitter. Uh, uh, <laughs> Swear to God! Oh, oh, now I'm gonna have to look up whether that's like some racist or something before <laughs> before I can let that joke go through. <laughs> oh fuck! Now I have to register it. Oh god! Um, <laughs> oh Christ! Uh, I can be found on on the Twitter at Kieran J Walsh. That's my thing. That's where I I live on the Twitter. Okay, um, and, and with that, it's been lovely having you. Goodbye, everyone. Goodbye. 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 Goodbye.